Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Peter Rutzler. With the Winter Olympics underway in Pyeongchang, I thought it best to have a look at a few races in Ligue 1. But who's gliding to the finish line and who's taken a mighty tumble? All of that after the latest headlines. Monaco strengthened their grip on second place on Friday night as they eventually saw off Dijon 4-0. Kaita Balde, Fabinho, Ronnie Lopez and a striker's finish from Camille Glick helped the Principality remain unbeaten in their last 11 league games. Paris Saint-Germain shook off their Bernabeu cobwebs with a 5-2 win over Strasbourg. The plucky visitors went ahead, but were then soon overwhelmed with an Edison Cavani double sealing the victory. In the multiplex, Con and Wren played probably the best game of the weekend in a two-all draw and saw two missed penalties from the hosts and Damien de Silva's third goal in three games. Metz's survival hopes were given an absolutely crushing blow as a late Adamanian uh, goal helped Troyes win 1-0 as Angers slipped back into the mire as after an agonising 1-0 loss in the final moments to Saint-Étienne. Montpellier came back from behind to draw 1-1 with Gangomp to remain in sixth, while Toulouse were yet again unable to dispatch a 10-man team that are near the bottom of the table, this time in a goalless draw against Amiens. On Sunday, Nice and Nantes flattered to deceive in a drab one-all draw, as Lille came from two goals down to earn a point at home to struggling Lyon, who at least halted their three-game skid in the league. In the final match of the weekend, Marseille did just about enough to oversee Bordeaux with a 1-0 win at the Stade Velodrome. Florian Tovan's 15th of the season means they stayed close to Monaco. Above them, and now have a six-point gap to Leon behind them. And that's all for now. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the first race, and the one for the title is pretty much sewn up, but the one for the place right behind them is still in the balance. Monaco, Marseille and Lyon are still really vying for those places, although that fourth team has fallen off. But let's talk about Monaco first, Peter. They've gone on a little bit of a run that we've no one's really noticed with the couple of draws that have been in there, but 11 games unbeaten, two 4-0 wins in a row, and it was maybe a little bit of a struggle at times against Dijon. It didn't all go their way, but eventually they're seeing true. And, and it seems like Jardim's finally working out how this team is built in the second half of the season. Yeah, no, they, they're picking up some good form and they're putting the pressure on on their two rivals. I think I think there is an element to that. I think Jardim has certainly looked to have found a, a formula with one that's effective and one that's working. I mean, they're picking up results. Um, back-to-back 4-0 wins. And also, of course, beating Lyon, that was a real confidence booster. And I think since they, they dropped out of the French Cup, they've, they have sort of stabilised a little bit. Um, but as you say, they're 11 games unbeaten now in the league. Uh, and I think, of course, fundamental to all of that is that they're not playing in Europe, which is, of course, kicking in again now. And we saw, obviously, Marseille in a great position, having put three goals against uh, Braga and then Lyon as well, actually, in a strong position. But those will start to take their toll. And I think there may have been an element to to that when we look at Leon Leon's collapse against Lille. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, Monaco 
they seem to have found a good formula and obviously they were out Falcao and the scoreline did flatter, flatter them a little bit, but another good win. Uh, yeah, and they, they, they're certainly well clear of Lyon. They're seven points away. Marseille still on their coattails, though. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, added to the fact that Monaco have no European football, at least, to, to think about. They have got a cup final in March that they have their sights set on. But added to that, they've already played Lyon. They've already played Marseille. They have got, obviously, PSG to come, but that game doesn't really matter as much as it did beforehand, at least. Marseille still obviously have PSG and Le Classique uh, this upcoming weekend as well. But you look at their next few games, Toulouse, Bordeaux at home, Strasbourg, uh, Lille at home. That's another four games. You could feasibly see them going 15 unbeaten there, and then you go past the cup final, and it's Rennes, it's Nantes, and then you maybe hit PSG. Because they could go on a run of possibly 17 games unbeaten, and, and then run into a Paris Saint-Germain game. Maybe they get a little bit of a chance there in the sense of um, it's a great occasion for them. They know how important that game will be to finishing second, given that they're, they're running after that is absolutely um, pretty much either mid-table fodder or, or relegation strugglers who might even already be down in Amiens and, and Trois on the final day of the season. They might already be stuck somewhere. So you look at that running for them now with the results they've got, that big win against Lyon as well. They have to be kind of favourites, especially now Jardim's adapting those players that... that Peter struggled really to to adapt to the start of the season. Yeah, we we've discussed before that Monaco seem to come in waves in the last sort of four or five years. They sell players, they bring players in. Sometimes it takes them a while to bed in. But um, now in that four three three, Kaitabalde scored again. Yuri Tielemans had another good game. They're starting to find their rhythm and their place in this Monaco side. Yeah, I think when we look back to early in the season, uh, as you're saying about how Monaco were, you know, they're in that transition. They're in that. Uh, coming back round again phase where they're sort of reshaping themselves, remoulding themselves, finding what pieces they need for how they want to be and what the puzzle's going to look like. And for them to be in the commanding position in second place, you know, is, is a real, is definitely an achievement. And, and then Jardim should take a lot of credit for that. Um, came under a little bit of scrutiny, I think, earlier in the season. Of course, the performances in the Champions League were, were woeful, quite frankly. Um, and, you know, there were some serious questions raised, uh, raised defensively. Uh, I think that's still an area that they're, they're, they'll want to work on. I think they uh, certainly will want to have more depth to, at centre-half. Um, midfield, I still don't think it's fully solved. Um, I think it's a different uh, proposition when you're playing Ligue 1, uh, lesser sides than, than uh, your, your rivals as such. And we've seen that with PSG, especially obviously last week against Real Madrid with La Celso, I mean, it looks it looks good in uh, Ligue 1, but when you're playing teams that really do test you, then you may get found out if you're if you if not everything's right. But that all said, and as you pointed out, I think their their running's good, isn't it? I mean, it's it's as you say, they they seem to have got that cluster of games. I think you know they've got uh, obviously Toulouse, Bordeaux will be tricky, Strasbourg aren't easier at Le Mainel, and then Lille and PSG. I think this sort of Next phase, so moving into March, March could be a little bit of a trickier month, um, but then the run-in is, is a stroll, I feel, especially the clubs that could already be relegated, but also Gangon and, and Caen look set for another uh, middle-of-the-way season. So I, I, I definitely agree, but I think there are some areas to work on. Uh, I don't know what areas you, you, you think that they could be building on. I think up front is an area that he's still playing around with things. I think Balde's come on, certainly, but... Um, with Falcao's injury, but I mean, there's there's options there. There's Jovetic, Balde, um, 
the new young kids come in as well, the, the £60 million kids. So there's definitely some options in there. And I, still finding that right formula, I still think is elusive. But you know, if you're second and comfortable, I mean, it's fair play to them. Yeah, exactly. I think you make a good point that they there's still issues with this team in terms of depth, in terms of actually challenging Paris Saint-Germain or, or being a, a competitive, more competitive side at least anyway in the in the Champions League is is still there to be shot. I, I, I do want to highlight someone who has played um, and you you didn't mention his name really, but Pietro Pellegrini. Um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, has been there. He's, <laughs> he's been played the last couple. Of, yeah, he's played the last couple of games. Really, ever so often he's sort of come on for the last couple of minutes. He he played the game against the. Uh, it came on against Angers, I believe, if I remember rightly. Uh, no, he didn't. It might have been the cup game he came on in. Um, but he he did start. Oh, well, he did come on against uh, Dijon and, and won a free kick that led to um, Camo Glick's goal. And he he almost had a chance himself if. Uh, if Gazal had decided to to switch it to him, but it was really interesting to see him play. I, I like the look of him immediately. He's a he's a big lad for his age. He's he's tall. He's he's not weak in any time kind of way. He already has that upper body strength, which can be the kind of knock on a lot of young players. They can be quite slender and, and, and not physically built yet. But he he's instantly filling his frame. He's he was strong against a couple of centre backs in against Dijon when he needed to be. He he's got nice little feet and movement. He's got a little bit of speed to him as well. He's a little bit of everything. I, I really like him. I, I think I've seen a little bit of him when he was he was still at uh, Genoa. Didn't play too much really, but um, I remember um, listening to James Horncastle, who's a great expert on Serie A, that Genoa were just a little bit cautious in playing him. Really, they didn't want to didn't want to risk it. It's it was bemusing to a lot of people in Italian audiences that he wasn't playing because he seemed such like a talent, and they all believe that he could be the next sort of. They compare him very much to Christian Vieri, um, but I think he's a, a. He looks like he's a real talent. I mean, he held that ball up well. He he linked play nicely. He didn't look uncomfortable out there in any shape or form. Um, although it's not, I suppose it's not the most intimidating atmosphere to go out into to, in Monaco. But he certainly wore that shirt without it being too heavy. And it, I'm really interested, especially in the second half of the season, with with the games they've got against Toulouse against. Um, you know, these weak sides in the last couple of games as well, especially if they have second tied up. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how he move, how he continues. And I also, for Monaco's sake as well, I, I'm a little bit worried about Leonardo Jardim possibly leaving this summer as well. Um, you think of the the vacancies that possibly might open up at, at places like Chelsea, uh, maybe at Arsenal, even Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid. I, I don't think you're out of the realms of thinking that a, a coach of this kind of quality that's shown again and again that it may take a little bit of time to adapt where he needs to be with his team especially when they're, when they're fresh and he's lost a lot of players but again and again he's making this Monaco team tick again. I mean they struggled when he started there but he got them playing the way they needed to when they needed to be defensively solid then he created that crazy team last season that were, that were wonderful to watch with so many talent. They lost so much of it this season and yet again, he's starting to slowly make this team better again and become a, a force in league. And, and, and if they would have done this earlier, maybe even in Europe as well. But uh, they still have a lot to work on. And there's one team that's chasing them pretty hard. And they're about to be kicking themselves, really, that they dropped to two points last well, last weekend, really, in Marseille, Peter. They, they got a good win this weekend against Bordeaux. It was a little bit frustrating, really, that game on Sunday because we we mentioned on the preview show that we felt that that could be a cracker given how both teams were their real informed sides bar Paris Saint-Germain in, in Ligue 1 but 
it was a bit of a damp squib in the end. It, it ended up being Marseille dominant, scoring the goal, and then the second half really being nothing much of the sorts, wasn't it? I think we've, we've run out of luck with the Sunday night games because we've, we've had so many good ones. It was just, you look at the team, think, oh, Marseille, Bordeaux, Bordeaux in great form. Must be a great game. Yeah, it wasn't really. Um, I didn't pick my games well at all yesterday, actually. I ended up watching Nice v Nantes as well, and that was dreadful. I, I think, I'm, I'm sure I just completely zoned out during that one. Anyway, um, yeah, no, Marseille certainly in great form. And I think um, we were praising Jardim just there, but Rudy Garcia definitely deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing with, with OM. Um, I think we've gone over this before and uh, about just, well, how much the Champions project was ridiculed at the start of the season. They were so disjointed. For me, I, whenever I watched Marseille, it was this sort of weird like collection of players that just didn't fit. Um, Louis van Gaal sort of Man United team where you just got these sort of players there that just you just don't really know how they blend together. But I think they've been... Whether they've blended or whether they've been masked, it's all down to Florian Tovan. Um, he, we, he's been fantastic for them, and he's even scoring headers from corners now. So his his ability knows no ends, it seems. So I, I think in terms of um, how they managed the game, I thought that was really impressive for me. I think they, they didn't give Bordeaux a sniff. I don't think Bordeaux were very adventurous. They were quite negative, which is a shame because in the games they have played under Poyet, they've been, you know, they've been very... Uh, they've had a high intensity, they've gone after teams and they've got their wins, but we didn't really see that. Um, but I think credit does is, is due to Marseille because they did manage the game well. Luis Gustavo, very much the dominant figure in the centre of the half, uh, centre of the park. Um, Suhalu Meite, for, uh, Meite for, for Bordeaux looked a bit off the pace. He looked out, out of the game. He was conceding silly fouls. And I think that just kind of symbolised the, the difference between the two sides. Um, but I think with Marseille, it's it's a question of how far they can, they can keep this going. Um, I mean, the result in, in against Braga was a huge result. Um, and it'd be nice to see... Oh, I think it's set up nicely again. I don't want to jinx it, but for, for Le Classique on, on Sunday, um, you know, it, it could well be another big game because, you know, PSG, lots of questions to be asked, uh, especially in, the, in, in central midfield as well. Um, will they show up for a big game, which, they, which they've yet, yet ready to do this season? But... And they will certainly face a challenge in Marseille. And I think Marseille will be keen to make a statement uh, going into that. Yeah, we're getting lucky soon, aren't we? We're getting a Le Classique this, this weekend. And then in midweek, we get a cup version of a Le Classique as well. So an extra one this season as well. And yeah, it feels like a, it's a massive game really for Marseille. If they want to get second, I, I feel like they have to beat Paris Saint-Germain because um, Monaco on a roll... We saw it last season, really. We saw it the season before, really, as well. And even before then, as well. That Monaco in second half of the seasons do seem to really turn on the afterburners, really. They 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 are a creature of habit. If they start winning games, they, they tend to get on a bit of a roll. Um, it might be stopped by Paris Saint-Germain, but by that time, which is five, six games' time, they might be far untouchable, really, for Marseille, unless they went on a really barren run in the, the last sort of couple of months in the season. It's a massive game, really, and Interestingly, I think it, it we won and lost in the midfield, um, and that's really where I think Marseille's been excellent in the last few games as well. I know Tovan will take a lot of the headlines; he's been sensational. It's it's frightening they're starting to score headers as well now. It was a really good header as well at that. Um, but I think they found the right mix. Really, they they had Maxime Lopez in a lot um, at the start of the season, and he struggled quite a bit. But Gustavo was sort of the the one 
controlling things, playing out from the back, um, being able to sweep up in front of the defence. I think he's added to those. He's given more confidence to Rolando and uh, Arami, who've formed a really nice partnership, even though they do potentially lack pace maybe, but also cover for for the likes of Amavi and Sakai especially to to get forward when they need to because they, especially the Japanese international, he's he's very adventurous. Um, but I think adding Zambu and Guisa in there as that sort of box-to-box player, getting himself around the pitch, being busy, keep it moving around when they're joining attacks, moving around when sliding alongside Gustavo when they needed to. I think he's added a nice balance to it. And and more importantly, I think Morgan Sanson's been excellent this season. And I, I think he continued that last night. He was probably my favourite player. He was a little bit of everywhere. He was dangerous. He was picking up fouls from the Bordeaux players that just wanted to kick him. He had a couple of half-decent chances as well himself where he burst into the box and maybe just ran out of um, bits. But it, it just feels like Mo- uh, Sanson is maybe an inch or so from being a really, really, really good player in terms of even pushing for a, a spot in the French squad because he, he's really trans- added an extra dimension to this Marseille team that maybe the other midfielders like Lopez haven't quite been able to do. But you do still worry, really, in the long run. I mean, there's the European campaign still, uh, Peter, and that resulting Braga will be massive because it gives them a chance to, to maybe rest a few of them. But depth, full stop, is where they worry. You think... If there's maybe an injury to Jaman, if you especially if there's an injury to Tovan, um, could this be a deck of cards really that that falls over if someone really important to them that they can't replace to falls out of the frame for the for the next uh, sort of running? Well, it'll get really serious if they have to start be, have to start playing Matrogli, then they really are in a difficulty. But um, no, I think you're right. I think there are there are certainly some areas where you you, you question the depth of the side. I think. With you were you're bang on about midfield. I think that balance that that Samba and Guisa and, and Luis Gustavo have given um, uh, Marseille and Morgan Sanson just that little bit of freedom has really really given them a boost. And I think you lose one of them and you lose that balance. If it does feel like it's very nicely poised, especially with the front three as well. I mean, Valé Germain is not your out and out forward. He's a link player. Um, he's not the type to to run off his shoulder. And it allows Tovan to to really dominate games and. And it should really allow Payet to, to dominate games too. I think we mustn't uh, write him off too much. I think he's, he definitely hasn't had the best season, but I feel like he is growing. Um, he seems to be, every now and again, I think there's a couple of great passes he put in. Not his best performance. We're still yet to see that, but I think the system suits them. And especially with Amavi behind him bombing on, it really does give them some options. But I do agree on the, the, the point of depth. You do look at what they've got in in behind that and Maxine Lopez has been uh, in and out defensively I mean Abdenour um, Saar's done okay at right back he's been quite impressive um, when he's come in but it's just beyond that level and then you're thinking well what have they got and that that's the the real challenge for for uh, Rudy Garcia I think if say they the games do pile up and, and they do start to fall on top of each other but I think for now it's, it's all about uh, maintaining the form I think they've got a tough run of games on the horizon um, and they've got to try and keep pace with with, uh, with Monaco, I feel, uh, just to because we know how good Leon can be, um, and we'll talk about them uh, like we're next. And I think you know if they don't maintain that their, their current run of form, then uh, they could drop out of it. And I, th- I still think, as we've said before in, in previous podcasts, it's one of those um, the, with the top three. They seem to go in peaks and troughs. One of them goes for, has a good week, one of them will have a bad week. This week again, it's Leon. We've got Monaco, Marseille in the ascendancy. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at some point it switches around again. 
Yeah, and a massive week, as you mentioned, really for for Leon. They it's a really excellent Sunday. If you if you're if you're off work or if you're at home and you're not deciding what to do, watch. So, and if you don't want to want to tune into the League Cup final, depending on your allegiances, of course, there's an excellent Sunday really because not only do we get Le Classique, we get the Rome Derby as well as Leon hosts Santetia, which is really a treat for us uh, French football fans. But that's a massive game really for Leon now. That I mean. They're winless in four. They lost three in a row before that draw against Lille. They were 2-0 up. They let it slip to go to 2-2. And they're facing a Saint-Étienne side that are maybe a little bit more buoyed than they have been the last couple of weeks. They were really lucky against Angers, really. They they were awful. And then and Angers were really dominating them. But Ludovic Boutel gifted Robert Berich on his birthday a, a, an open net, essentially, to put the ball into, which is... A shame for them, and we'll, we'll possibly talk about them later. But a massive week for Leon, really. They they go obviously to Villarreal with with a good lead. Um, expected to probably still push on if they grab a goal. Really, that um, that tie should really be over with. But then the focus goes to that Rome derby. A massive game for them because they're already six points behind now, um, Peter, and they've got Marseille in a few weeks as well, which they'll certainly have circled on their diaries, providing they don't drop any more points between them. But They've been a shambles the last couple of weeks. The the two goals, again, against Lille, I mean, Mike Magnon gifts it to Bertrand Traore for the first one. The second one is is a little bit of a defensive lapse as, as well. The two goals that Lille score are pretty poor as well, as, especially the second one, really. I don't think uh, Anthony Lopez covers himself in any kind of glory, but they they just can't seem to hold on to anything anymore. It's, it feels much like the Lyon we saw in the, in the first five, six weeks of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then... I think there was a stat during the round that it's four times this season that they've thrown away a two-goal lead, um, which is really quite concerning. And you don't want these kind of things to become a habit. Um, we've, we've in the past we've looked at at Leon and and Bruno Genesio and wondered, well, does he have uh, the blackout plan, uh, plan, the plan B? Um, this week wasn't really about the plan B. It was more a case of losing your heads. Um, and you know we, we've talked about the Leon being a young side. You look at the, the the squad. I mean, Fakir is a, is a young captain anyway. He he was rested. Um, Mariano, relatively young players in Dombele, Pusa, and you you wonder whether they have that that inner steel, that that leadership. And at the moment, it's it's not coming across. And of course, whether Genesio is the is has got it in his locker really to uh, to to. to find this inner steeliness and, and try and drill it home because these kind of results, you know, they, they can spiral and it, it gets in your head. And I feel like with Leon, we know how good they are. Um, and I think one of the one of the labels that's been in chucked to them is this, this element of individualism a little bit. Um, I think that's sort of personified by how Mariano plays. Um, this, uh, the, the sentiment that, you know, once we get one or two goals ahead, it's all about how can I improve my own statistics and how can I, you know, embellish my own position. And I think the game against Lille, it, it started very, very well. I mean, it was promising to see Bertrand Traore get on the score sheet. You know, he's been in and out of the side. He somehow found himself behind Maxwell Cornet. Um, but to get two goals, that was a huge boost for him. It looked to be going well. I mean, they generally were dominant in the game. But again, they, they found themselves undone. And you, you wonder, okay, partly, you have to wonder, are they defensively solid enough? Toussaint has dropped off a little bit. I, I don't know what you would add to that. But I think um, I think Morel and Marcelo have, have dropped in terms of their standards. Uh, that said, I think Orojo was, uh, was excellent. Um, I think his second goal was superb and he was instrumental in the first. But 
it's, it's, it's very concerning. I mean, <laughs> I mean, immediately they, they've got Villarreal this week and they've got a two-goal lead. So I don't know what that means for that. Yeah, I think personally that given also the, the players they rested as well, I think they looked past this one really. I, I thought they saw this one as as Lille still being the side that were that you could sort of walk over. Um, and that's not the case anymore really. I bet, um, <laughs> you know... Um, they must have been really up for it. Galtier would be desperate to get a result against a Leon side being associated with Saint-Etienne for so long. And it looked poor to me. Even when Fekir and Awa came on, really, for the last sort of 10 minutes, they both got bookings. I don't know where that came from, really. At least they gave a bit of fight because not many other players did in that second half. And yeah, I I don't get Genesio sometimes. I mean, I don't understand why he doesn't start Diakabe. Um, regularly and with Marcelo again this one they started Decarbi and Morel I think Morel had a good half of the season he's not a centre-back though and I think he'll be the first to admit it really he he wasn't great in this game he's given away a penalty earlier in the last game as well he's he's not the greatest defensive well he's, he's a decent defensive mind but he's he's not very tall he's not very quick I don't know why you try and risk playing him there on a on, on a regular basis and I mean they it's it just doesn't make any sense they they would okay they were winning 2-1. There's 20 minutes left on the clock. Let's think of our first substitution, really, with, with Lille maybe getting a bit of a rise from that. So he brings off Raphael for Furlong Mendy. And you shrug your shoulders. You go, well, let's bring off the right back for a left back. Stick him right back and also not add any defensive solidity at all. Mendy's very much in the similar vein of Raphael of being a, an attacking player. He might be ever so slightly more defensive, but it's not a massive one. If you were trying to hold on for the result, you'd bring Marcelo on and you'd stick Jeremy Morel at, at right back or something like that, More someone more experienced. It very, very strange. It didn't make much sense at all. And that is Genesio in a nutshell, really. I, I think he's looked out a lot on this. And really, you do worry about his job. If they finish fourth, with this talent that they have, the, with the chances they've had this season, with the players they've got, they should not be finishing fourth. I, th- I think they should probably, with the with the team they have, especially even in the background with with players that they can bring in. I I think they should be above Marseille. Really, I I think it's a shambles that they fell. Uh, three games in a row is is bad, and and then to throw away another lead, like you say, a fourth two plus goal lead that they've thrown away this season is atrocious. That's not good enough at all. And uh, a lot of people will be questioning Genesio again, and as a lot of Leon fans are again, and right ahead of a big game as well. But let's sort of round off this conversation before we move on, really, to to who you think will finish second. Then, um, Peter, the, on Monaco, obviously the front runners, Marseille are still in there. Leon hanging on by a thread. Who do you have? Uh, it's got to be Monaco. I think it's just based purely on fixtures. I feel like Marseille, they they have been excellent. I mean, they they really do have that almost a well-oiled machine now. But as we were, as we were talking about, one, take one of those cogs out of the machine, and you, you take an important one out, like like Tovan or uh, Gustavo, and suddenly you've got it can derail quite quickly. I think their fixtures are a little bit tougher. So for me, Monaco, then Marseille, then Lyon, which is as you say, it's quite extraordinary because if we just think back a couple of weeks weeks ago, when Lyon were playing such superb football, especially the victory over PSG, it's just, and then Monaco in the cup shortly afterwards. So. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a very, very bizarre turn of events. But yeah, Monaco, Marseille, Lyon. 
Yeah, maybe Leon slowly after this game, at least anyway, in the, in the weekend, they'll slowly turn their attentions to the to the uh, Europa League should they continue to get through against Villarreal. Let's have a talk about another race now, and we'll be a little bit quicker on this one because a lot of the teams played pretty awful games, really, other than maybe one at the weekend. There's there's probably you would say maybe five teams in the running for that fifth place, which is the last Europa League place. There's about uh, four points that are separating Nantes, who currently occupy their uh, Montpellier, Rennes. Bordeaux, who've come out of nowhere, really, and Nice. And I'll start very quickly with that that game that I watched as well, unfortunately, Peter, between Nantes and Nice. Um, one all draw, Dante scored relatively early on, and uh, and Emilio Nassala from the spot helped them uh, get back into a 1-1. But especially the second half, I, I couldn't tell you what happened in that second half. I, I don't think I've seen worse half of football in the game, and that maybe personifies the the mid table to to those well, those below the top four to mid table all season long, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, I'm glad you said that because I was going to yeah. say I can't remember the second half. Yeah. I'm not even sure I watched it. <laughs> it was definitely on. Um, but yeah, no, it was a really dire game. I, I've got written on my notes for this, which is how are they still in fifth? Mm. Um, their form has been poor for uh, has not, and and they haven't been, they haven't been picked off because the side below them just keeps stuttering. No one seems to be able to put together a, a decent run of form. I mean, you've got Bordeaux have entered the mix now, but they, they they've come from essentially the relegation scrap and they've planted themselves within relatively close to striking distance. But yeah, and a really really dire game. And I think Nice have excuses. I think they've got some players. Uh, plainly out of form for, for one. You've got uh, Seri still yet to find his best. Cyprian's coming back from injury. Malang Saar hasn't been great and players struggling a little bit. But I think also <laughs> then they've also got their, their injuries. Um, Le Marchand, um, Jalet, uh, uh, Suke at, at the backs. And they, they've, you know, they've they played a part. And I think the penalty showed how that's affecting them. And Bernay giving it away, a silly, silly foul, lunging in on, on Salah. Um, so for them, from their perspective, I can see why they've they've hit a little bit of a quagmire. But for 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 not, it's not been a great 2018. Actually, they, they, I think they've only won just the once, if I'm if I'm not mm. not mistaken, in in the league. Um, they seem to have hit a bit of a rut. Um, uh, Ranieri's tinkering has come unstuck a little bit, but they'll take heart from the fact that, that Salah is still scoring. I mean, it was from from the spot, but that, that's four and four for him. I mean, they're not getting turned over by sides. You, you wouldn't turn around and go there in trouble. I mean, they picked up a good win against Gangon recently. Um, but there are some signs that you think, oh, where are they going? And I think we, we worry about that with, with Ranieri's sides generally in terms of how they set up. They're very, very negative. And they felt like with this the, with this game in particular, it wasn't as though Nice were going for them and you know st- grabbing them by the throat. They, they had spells in the game. But even when they were... Uh, dominant and, and, and pressing the, the home side, there was a distinct lack of creativity, which was concerning. Rangier wasn't getting on the ball and influencing things as much as he would like. Uh, Thomason cut a frustrated figure. Um, I, I, and you, you know, it's, it's for now it's fine, but I think Ranieri will be hoping to, to turn things around. The, the downside is they've got Marseille on the horizon. I think Amiens first, which is a winnable game, which would be a good confidence boost before they they, they travel to the. Uh, uh, the velodrome uh but yeah i i mean we may as well move on from this game because it was just dire wasn't it um and i think just quickly from a nice perspective um balotelli I'm, i do feel sorry for him i mean his form is, has been really really good 
it just seems like everyone around him isn't keeping up to his level really and it hasn't really stuck out as much as it has of late I think the Europa League game really is a prime example he scores the two goals and then they still throw it away and then this weekend he looked he cut a really frustrated figure he was constantly sniping at the referee sarcastic smiling and laughing wasn't getting on the ball and I think that's symptomatic of, a, of, of Nice's struggles this season and I wouldn't be surprised if he does move away because of, there has been the links back to, to Italy and I think his form's been good enough to merit a move to a Champions League club um, and he may not get that with Nice so I think that's one of the, the main things I took from the game is that you know we're seeing a Ballo now who's, who's looking elsewhere I feel because he hasn't really been that frustrated at times this season not in the way that he was I think at the weekend. No, I and give Balotelli credit. I think um, I think that's been lost in the sort of um, the sort of dullness really of the Nice season. It's been a bit of a weird one. They were they were terrible to start off with, and then they got a lot better for a month, and then all of a sudden they sort of hover between good and bad. We've not really talked about them much really this season. It feels like, and Balotelli's been by far their best player. I I think fair and um, fair play to him. He's not sulked. He's not moaned about it. There's there's been a couple of little bits of frustration. There was that incident, obviously, uh, last week, which uh, thankfully is is rightfully being condemned and uh, and looks like it's going to head to maybe a nasty end for the for the referee at least anyway. Um, but he's been great. That team has been not great, and I think that there's two sides of that, and that's the support that really he's had. And I think there's two areas particularly that Nice have struggled this season is one, and you've mentioned it briefly, and that's the fullbacks. Having Suke out hasn't helped, but when they lost Pereira, obviously because he he really deserves to be playing Champions League football and Dalbe who went to to Inter, they've just not replaced them really. Suke is a is a good right back and I, I really like him, but they desperately miss him. Him Berner and Coley were were not very good. Um they're not great defensively. They're not particularly adventurous going forward either in creating. So they don't really add anything to this Nice team that's that's just missing something. And and one of those things it's missing, and I think not enough people have pointed this out, is uh, is Eunice Belhander as well. That having players in and around Balotelli just make him that little bit better. I mean Player's not too bad at it, but he's obviously playing a sort of an inside forward from the left. Uh, Alan Sant Maximan has been pretty good with him as well and creating runs and trying to make space for him. But having someone just next to him or behind him, it, it's been really missing. And, and not having maybe someone like Cyprian fill that role, who obviously he came on at the weekend, he didn't start. He, I think it might have been just a, to give him a little bit of a rest, to be fair, because he's only just come back from that from that major injury. But uh, they really struggled. Serie's not been as good. The midfield isn't isn't as great as it was, and uh, you just feel like they won't finish fifth. They needed a result against a not side that are just tepid. Really, I mean, <laughs> they don't really do much. I mean, Salah's their top scorer, and he's mainly sticking away penalties. Really, he's not um, vivacious. He he's a little bit like Bambi on ice sometimes, but he, he's getting the occasional couple of goals for them. They have fallen off a cliff, really. This, Second half of the season, you were right. They, they that three 0 win against Gangon uh, a few weeks ago is their only win of uh, 2018 so far. They, they just don't have the adventure. They still don't. Um, they've played Rangier further forward, which has helped, um, but they need better players around them. I, I don't think either of the wingers and, and uh, Thomason and uh, any of the other ones catch the leech glitch when they bring him on. I don't think he's got enough. Iloki is is in and out of games. Ah, yeah, they, they need 
more players really that that especially in the summer they need to try and figure out what they want to do with this team especially with Dubois going um they're obviously having defensive issues at the moment as well with Gigi having to play center back which is not his preferred position really but he might be someone who replaces Dubois at full back I do like the likes of Liam but you, you start thinking that him Ronger maybe they start looking for the door in the, in the summer and then you should really start to worry about a, a not team that will slide back down the table let's briefly touch on these other three teams, really, that are fighting for fifth, because Europa League is a is a big thing for a lot of these teams, really, other than maybe Bordeaux, who seem to try and skip on it every year when they are in it. Um, so let's talk about Montpellier, who've had an excellent season, really. They got a decent one one all draw against Gangon. They maybe could have nicked it as well, and, and if in fairness, so could have the away side. And a, a silly penalty from Hilton, which seems strange to say, given the season he's had. But they are the second best defence in Liga behind Paris Saint-Germain. Are they someone, if they maybe get it right at the other end, because they have got a plus three goal difference, which is better than any of the, the other teams around them. Um, if they can get a couple more goals, a couple more wins, could they be in the mix? Oh, they're definitely in the mix. I think the the way Desacarian De set them up this season has been extremely effective. Uh, they've been picking up results against big clubs. I mean, they're not really uh, a side that goes for goals, that's for sure, but you know, they've got a really solid defence. Um, the switch to a back four was interesting. I think it worked okay. I think Gangomp have been a bit mediocre in terms of how they approach games. And I don't think this this fixture would suit them anyway if they wanted to play on the counter-attack. But even so, they still haven't really shown any of the exciting flair that we saw last season. Um, yeah, no, I, I think they've got that nice balance. The fullbacks get on really well. Um, Aguilar, with his shot was uh, turned in by CO of all people. So I think they're certainly in the mix because they're just picking up points. And I think they're in, they're in a decent uh, run of form at the moment. Um, I think it's three wins in four before this game. And then this is another good point. Um, they're only a point behind Nantes. And you can't really argue with that. And they've got some decent fixtures coming up. I mean, Strasbourg isn't easy away from home, but Strasbourg defensively leak. And then the, if then Montpellier shut the door, they should pick up some points there. And Leon are all over the place before they face them. So... I think I think uh, with Montpellier, it'd be a case of more of the same. I think De Zaccarin came out after the game and was disappointed with the first half. Um, I think he called it uh, eight against 11, were his words. So um, I think they've got, they've got a number of young players in there, uh, in Benza, Sambia, Ikone, who could probably offer something uh, at the other end of the field, but we haven't really seen that. Um, and I don't think they lend themselves to that. Uh, but, you know, they've got a really strong work ethic. They're very well uh, organised. And I think that's all you need in Liga, essentially. I think that's why I think it's a bit of an, a damning indictment that you've got Nantes and Montpellier in, in the position that they are in um, when they play such dire football half the time. So uh, that's doing a disservice, I think, a little bit to Montpellier. Oh, actually, it's not really. It depends. Negative football. That, that's less, that less, uh, less offensive, isn't it? Is that how you tell? I'm going to say, yeah, defensive is the answer, but it, it's still, you know, it's not, it's not your flea flowing goals at either end Sunday night fixture. No, I'll take defensive. I think that's the right thing to say, really. I, I do want to quickly mention on Montpellier, and it, it should come out over sometime this week. I've written a piece on on Nordi Mukiele that will come out. I, I think he's a terrific young player. Um, move to the centre back. I, I don't think he's as good as in a four um, because he can be a little bit risky. He does like to sort of jump in a little bit in terms of intercepting, but he's got great pace. He's he's got great physical about him. He's he obviously started at right back and has moved more centrally, but I think he's capable of playing both. He might even be capable of playing 
defensive midfielder as well because he's got a wonderful positivity about him. He looks like an excellent defender. He's learning every day. He's admitted that um, he does want to try and stay at Montpellier at least for another season to, to hone his skills. And, and next to someone like Hilton, it's not harming in him anyway. And he's a, a real bright spot in um, someone who could really go on to do major things. And if Montpellier can hopefully hold on for him for another season, they could get a really, really good fee for him, which would be massive for the, for the club. But moving on to a team that had a really interesting game this weekend in Wren. The 2-2 drawing against Con was was terrific, really, and, and two missed penalties. And I know Rich will want to mention some facts in this. And it's not only a game of goals and, and missed penalties, but there there was the first time. Well, Enzo Crivelli scored. He's the fourth goal scorer for Con this season, which seems incredible. Behind Damien De Silva, who scored three and three now with the centre back, which is also a little bit crazy. Um, Ronnie Rodelan and, and uh, Ivan Santini being the other two goal scorers. It was also the first time Diafra Sacco scored a goal in Liga, which seems strange to many, uh, given that he was obviously top scorer in Ligue 2 before he joined a, a West Ham. And also, the other one coming from this was the, the first time a, a Swiss referee has man uh, re managed a game in the Liga. And with that new sort of um, buddy system, almost you would say, with the with the Swift FA with someone coming over. But it was a terrific game and kind of indicative of Ren's season. They kind of played to everyone's level depending on who they're playing. And they played a mid-table side. They played relatively well. So did the other side. It ended up as a two-all draw. It's again, I think Rami Bensabaini personified it perfectly, set up the goal for um uh, for Diafrasacco gave away both penalties. <laughs> it is one of those seasons, really, for Ren. And if they did, I mean, they're only four points off not at the moment. They've got a few interesting games coming up. They've had some really good results, including that win against uh, Leon last week. I, I think they're a side that might just about sneak in that fight. If they can sort of put a run together with those sides being a little bit more negative, maybe having a, a difficult couple of games where maybe they, if they can't score, then they might be struggling. Ren have definitely got goals in them now um, with Saar and with Sacco and and they've got good midfielders like Borijo who contribute as well. They could be a really interesting one in this mix and, and could be a real dark horse in this one. And, and someone, Peter, that should be definitely a dark horse and we'll, we'll talk about them very briefly. They... It's Bordeaux. They won three in a row heading into that game on Sunday. It was a little bit disappointing, really, that they didn't put much more of a fight against Marseille, but that was the biggest test for Gus Poyer, and they didn't really pass it. Do you think that they can still be in that fight, or do you think that maybe they've got too much ground to make up to, to really push for fifth? No, I think they're definitely in the fight. I, I think when we consider the, the run of form of the sides around them, that you know the fact that they've so easily pulled themselves back into it. They should be there, and with with the players they've got, they they should give it a really good go. Um, just quickly on Ren, I just wanted to add uh, Jeremy Gelin. I really, what I've seen of him, I'm really really impressed. It's not just his defensive and the balance with Nan uh, It's his long balls, his ability to ping the ball left and right. I think it's such an asset. I think it was for the second goal for Ren. He's pinged it straight to Ismail Assar, um, which has set up Sacco for his second. I think there's a, he's a really nice counterpoint and they, they do, as you say, they've got those young players in there and you, you'd want them to progress. But back off my tangent, um, Bordeaux, I, I think with, with Poyet, I think against Marseille, they, they approached it in the wrong manner. I think they were too negative. Um, Depreva didn't get in the game as much as he'd like. I do think he suits that left-hand side. Um, uh, Laborde in the centre, um, I think he gives them more of a focal point and I think we've seen some of that. I think they lacked intensity. 
Um, I think Marseille played it well. They, they played deep and then were able to cut through them relatively easily. Uh, but, but I don't think uh, Poyet's changed that much. I think he's, he's um, stayed loyal to the defenders that have come in. I mean, after the chaos that, were, that went before with, with, um, with Toulalan and uh, Levchuk, it, it was, uh, it was a, a sink with multiple holes. But Kunde's come in, this youngster. Um, he's only 19 and he's played eight in a row now and he looks really, really solid. Um, Pablo's come back from his loan in, in Brazil and, and they form a nice little duo at the back. And, you know, they've got a good team, especially with Costilli behind them, um, organising things. Obviously, there's Malcolm, but we hadn't seen uh, him back to his, his shining best. And we're still waiting for that consistency. I think that's been his uh, a criticism of him all season. I mean, he exploded at the start of the year and then it was only in peaks and troughs. And, and I think we, we're still in that. And that's Poyet's, one of Poyet's biggest challenges. But I think when we were looking at, at Bordeaux and they're in good run of form uh, under Gorvanek at the start of the season, we, we were lauding the attacking options they've got. Uh, Kamano came off the bench. Uh, they've got Jonathan Cafu as well. And so I think if, if Poyet can get the right balance out of those those players, then they've certainly got a good a good chance of, of uh, making a good challenge and also getting the best out of players who didn't really do as well as you would expect. People like Lucas Lerager, um, who they brought in. Tuahu Meite's come in and has looked good. I don't think he was good against Marseille at the weekend, but I think he, he does offer them something. I think he offers them something a bit more... Um, a combative presence in the centre of the park. Um, so I think they've got that. I think they've got uh, a, a nice balance now. And we, I mean, they, they started well. They had that, manag that uh, managerial bounce. And I think this defeat means the honeymoon is over. So we, now we can really dissect and see what, what Poyet's trying to do because he hasn't really changed too much. Um, it's been more of a player-induced bounce. But they should, they're, they're definitely in, in the running, especially with this squad they've got. Yeah, this is absolutely the moment for him to to really show his chops, really. And I, on this one, I won't give it who we predicted in going fifth because it is a little bit, I think on this one, a little bit too close to, to predict at the moment. But we'll leave that one open-ended at least uh, for the rest of the season. Let's move on, really, to the... In, I think, at least anyway, the most important one, really, which is which is that trapdoor back into Ligue 2. And there's a few signs that are still fighting away down there, but one that probably... This was the end of really this week. We, we mentioned on the preview show it was really do or die for Mets against Trois, and agonisingly they had a few chances of their own, but Trois were probably the better side. They maybe would have been okay with a draw. It's not still not the greatest result. They really needed a win, but to lose it to then be well, well they're now seven points behind Angers. That's just get up to, to second from bottom. It's eight up to Amiens. It's nine for safety now, complete safety at least. Anyway. Um, that felt like the final dagger in the heart of Mets, didn't it? Yeah, I think when you look at the sides, they've still got to play. They've got PSG, Nantes, uh, Rennes as well in there, uh, Bordeaux. So I think there, there are a number of sides there that can take the points off them. And I mean, they're eight points adrift now of uh, of the playoff position. So it really was a bit of do or die. And it's a, it's a shame, really, because they did found that, that, that excellent run of form. They, they brought themselves within touching distance. And then they slipped up, and it's 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 a shame. But um, I think Trois deserved to win it. They were they were certainly the better side in that game. Um, it was a deserved winner from from Nyan. Um, and I think it goes to show that when you do sell or not um, replace your best assets, which well, it was the, it was the point we made at the very very start of the season, and has continued throughout. You know, losing Saar, 
and losing Diabate, uh, who's doing really well in Italy, I think, um, has, has cost them. They haven't been able to replace them. I mean, Nolan Rue had that spike in form when they, when they were doing well, and but it, it hasn't lasted and it's not, it's not, it's not something that I think w- was ever sustainable. But you never know. There's still a chance. I think the sides above them are, are creeping at a very slow pace. Um, every, I think roughly one of them will win every couple of weeks. So it's, it's. I mean, we are expecting a miracle here for, for Mets to even try. So it's it's a shame that they couldn't sustain it and try and pull themselves back into the running because then we'd have a really exciting uh, relegation battle. But as it stands, we've only got that one certainty place, that one uh, direct relegation spot now really to fight for. Um, but for Twire, it's, it's huge. And I think obviously they play Dijon tomorrow. Um, they'll want to build on that. Um, I think they deserve to win that game, as I was saying. And um, if they t- win again, then that's 30 points. And you know, 30 points is a, is a really good tally to be on. Four points clear of the drop um, with, some, with some good fixtures to come. And I think they, they bounced back after that. Strasbourg speak because I think that was you know that that was a real hammer blow and if they'd lost to Mets then we'd be uh, we'd be talking about Twire's funeral as well so yeah no, it's a it's a big result for Twire and I think it's curtains for for Mets yeah absolutely I mean the win for Mets would have been them on twenty one points and then Twire still on twenty four so you would have felt that they maybe pulled everyone a little bit close to them even though the other teams obviously got results at the weekend but not many of them really got the important win that would have pulled them away really would have pulled that pack closer to Mets. But now it just seems further and further away. It's such a shame. Unless they they need to get on it right now, um, unfortunately. And it just doesn't feel like it at the moment. That felt like too much of an important game that it might just knock the stuffing out of them. But you're absolutely right as well in the reverse that that's a massive result for Twy at the moment. Any win at the bottom of the table at the moment is is a massive result. I mean, they're still only maybe two points above the the relegations spot and and one off the the playoff really but it's a massive win at the moment given that all the teams below the the two and two will come on to very briefly in a moment that look like they're starting to gather a bit of momentum really or in terms of slowly getting back to the form that we would expect from the the caliber of teams there but one side that that was as a factor of that and, and a really disheartening loss it felt like at least anyway for Angers who who dropped back into the bottom two on 25 points what a really awful game to lose they they were absolutely all over Santetian at points they had great chances Colto Kwikambe had a few they looked like that at some point they were maybe just going to break it and then Peter I don't know what Ludovic Patel was doing but he must be uh, he must be in tatters really because he's just gifted the ball to Robert Berich. The only chance really Saint-Etienne have all game and uh, it goes in and it just feels like Angers every single time this season. And we mentioned it earlier that they just kept drawing games, but now they keep letting games get through their fingers in even worse ways in, in losing games. And that's a bad trend to be having at this time of the season. Yeah, I think I think it sums up their season pretty much what happened against Saint-Etienne. Um, I think we've we've sort of been in denial a little bit that they were doing badly because of the amount of draws they were getting, and I mean they have lost. I think it's the same number of games as as, as San Etienne, but just the, obviously the draws in the start of the season have cost them. They weren't great at home either. This is another defeat. So yeah, it really did sum up their season in that you know they've looked okay. I mean you know they looked better than some of the sides around them, and generally had a strong side, especially with Kartoko Kambe up top and. It's yeah, it's, it's another another game that slipped away, and another another result that pulls them 
further adrift and you do worry now i've well, well they, not we've been worrying for some time but they the one thing that is on their side i think is 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 that their fixtures are slightly better i mean i, I said that twas were good and that was completely wrong i'm getting that totally confused twas are awful but so are amiel amiel's fixtures are dreadful on the run-in so it's 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 much of a muchness and i think Dropping points like that against San Etienne could prove costly come the end of the season. But next up is, is Lille, um, which is a huge, huge game. And, and Lille look like they're slowly finding something. I think, obviously, the first half against against Lyon, they were poor. But they do have that star quality. I mean, the investment that they made in, in that squad, um, you know, there is talent there. I mean, Thiago Maia, I mean, Rojo was, was, was superb. Even Nicola Pepe's chipping in goals, which will really get under their skin a little bit. So... Um, big game at the weekend, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned them there, Lille are the, are the team just well, a couple of places above them and they seem like they're, they're starting to get a grip on things. But another team that's sliding, and I, I want to chat about them a little bit, is, is Amien, who, who played to lose and, and were a little bit plucky really to get that draw in the end because they were a man down, but they had a really good spell sort of November time. It reminds me again a little bit of Gazlik Ajaxio a couple of seasons ago that they, they had that really decent spell where they they looked like they might even flatter to, well, to deceive and, and, and end up staying up. But since then, I mean, December in Ligue 1 was full of defeats. Um, they had one win in January, um, but around that one draw and then, well, th- three or well, four defeats at least anyway. And, in those sort of games against teams around them as well, which is an issue because you look at some of their running. I mean, no Ren, uh, they've still got those two to play. They've still got Leon to play away. They've still got Monaco to play away. They've got a Marseille to play away. They've got to play Paris Saint-Germain. They have an atrocious sort of running, really. They've got all the big teams left to play. Um, that should put the fear of God in them, shouldn't it? It feels like Amiens will be there or thereabouts in terms of being in those, at least in the bottom three now, given that they have such a mountain to climb in the second half, well, this last third of the season. I'm really concerned, Fabio. I think they actually, I think, I think they, with, of the sides in those, bot, in, in the, uh, in the fight there, for me, the most at risk, just because of what they've got coming up. And I think, you know, we were right to praise them. I think they've played some good football. Uh, I think Gal Kakuta has settled, settled back nicely into to Liga. Uh, Harrison Manzara, a wide has looked good too, and it's just they haven't been able to pick up the results and, and get games over the line. <clears throat> um, Triore has hasn't done as well as we, I think they'd hoped. Uh, he's not chipping in with the goals that, that they needed. Um, I, f- I felt like that when they, they signed him, you know, they were getting an experienced forward, but hasn't really worked out like that at all. Um, I think their squad's good enough. It's just they haven't picked up the points, and they need to start getting results and they need to get them soon because as we were saying the their running is, is is absolutely appalling and for me they're the, they're the favorites of the of the non-met sides to, to go down um just because of what they've got coming up mm, absolutely and then you start to pull well, one more side really that are in that mire really um is to lose who have picked up really since uh, pascal dupra was was removed as manager they beat twire they beat nice Obviously, a loss against Paris Saint-Germain is nothing to scratch about, really. But 1-0 was really positive. They'll be a little bit annoyed that they've drawn this one, especially with with Monaco coming up this week. And But you can just look at a couple of games in the future. They've got Mets in the near future, Strasbourg, Dijon, uh, Angers as well still to come. Um, Lille still to play as well. They've only got sort of... They have got the Monaco game, but they've got them at home 
they've got Marseille, but they've got them at home. That that Lyon game can maybe be a, really a dead rubber from from their point of view, at least for playing away. But it just feels like they're starting to maybe get things together. They're not conceding as many. They've only conceded one since uh, price has gone. Obviously, they've only scored two at the same time, but they are getting maybe back to where they were best, and that is in that young defence. And it feels like that they have enough, doesn't it, uh, Peter? Yeah, you touched on it with the defence. I think it's not really a surprise that, that they have they have shut the door a little bit more. And uh, Lafont's been superb, um, and I think they they have they they've picked up the points when they've needed to, and that managerial bounce has really helped them. Um, and I, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. I think Lee will be okay as well. Um, I think it's Trois and Amiens and Angers for me who will drop into that. Uh, and I don't. I think with with the games that Toulouse have got coming up, they they can certainly pick up points, and I expect them to. Yeah, and it, it feels like looking at the rest of that table, I mean, Strasbourg are probably just about done enough. They'll pick up enough results, I think. And then you're looking at Dijon and Con, and they've definitely definitely done enough to, to stay up this season. Let's finish off on a nice high note. And, and very quickly, our uh, league on snapshots. I mentioned uh, Richards earlier. Unfortunately, he couldn't join us. And I, I'll stop this week because uh, there's a really <laughs> there's one that I really enjoyed in a way. Um, and I shouldn't really, but um, Levin Kozawa. Um, unfortunately, he started against for, for Paris Saint-Germain and played reasonably well, but um, didn't really do too well with this uh, Chinese New Year. Really, They're, all the players for Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille at least had a had Chinese writing of their surnames on the back of their shirts. Um, so Levin Kozawa posted on Snapchat his wonderful shirt with his name in uh, in Mandarin and with a Japanese flag next to it. Um, I don't think he quite understood. Um, what they were celebrating. It wasn't the, the cleverest move from a player that's maybe not had bright moves in the past. I'm thinking maybe the the salute to the Sweden players and, and bits like that in the past when he was in the under-21s. That maybe wasn't the, the cleverest one. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but he um, certainly won't make that mistake again if, it, if he gets the chance to do that again, at least anyone when the new Chinese New Year comes around next year, possibly. But um, Peter, what's your league on Snapshot? I've got two. Uh, one is uh, Ernest Secker, uh, the Strasbourg defender against PSG, uh, asking Cavani for a shirt, which he got. But then Cavani's response when uh, Secker offered him his <laughs> was just like, no, it's good. I don't need your shirt. <laughs> There's a video going around of Secker trying to explain to a PSG official saying, he's just ignored my shirt. Um, and the other snapshot is that uh, 15 years on from Didier at, uh, at Gangon, uh, his son Isaac has, has signed for the club, so there is another Drogba at Gangol. Yeah, <laughs> and put the fear of God in every single one. If he's anything like his father, um, wow, he could be a really good player. <laughs> I mean, that's probably why Gangol have tried to get in it as soon as possible. And could you? Ima- I don't think they would have imagined it a while ago, but could you have imagined a front two of Gangol that has Lilian Taram's son and Didier Drogba's son? <laughs> You could have never made that. I don't think you could have made that up, really. The <laughs> seems... the pool. Yeah, exactly. All they need to do now is sign a Tyler Walker from Fonish and then they've got Des Walker yeah. as well. It'd be, <laughs> be an extra little bit of a mix. But um, that, that may be for another time. And that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Peter and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show on Thursday. And the Ming Show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.